I knew that I wanted to be someone that people respected and they looked up to. I didn't want to be somebody that was mediocre and invisible. And so every time that I lost, every time that I got cut from a team, every time that I was told I wasn't going to make it, I decided that I was going to work that much harder. Whereas other people who might hear that, they might break. I'm just going to bend, but I will not break. That's the voice of Kyle Lopes. As the oldest of five brothers, Kyle learned responsibility and leadership. As an undersized hockey player, he had to fight for every opportunity. As a busy college student and Cutco rep, he became extremely productive with his time, enough to earn a six-figure income for two years of college while doing well enough academically to be able to transfer into Columbia University. Now, Kyle has become the first student to reach $1 million in Cutco sales. He's one of the most tenacious people I've ever met. Enjoy Kyle's story of challenge, growth, and achievement. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm very excited about uh, my guest today because it is somebody who started in my very own Cutco sales office. And so as with others we've had on the podcast, near and dear to my heart, Mr. Kyle Lopes. He started in the Cutco Vector business in the summer of 2012, just after graduating from high school. Uh, At the end of that summer, he ventured off to pursue some hockey dreams and goals that uh, we will talk a little bit about today but ultimately settled into college at a junior college here in the Bay Area to start and eventually has matriculated now to Columbia University in the city of New York, where he is a senior about to graduate next May with a degree in international relations. Kyle is a nine-time college All-American in our company. We offer a program every four months where somebody can qualify for a scholarship with the company. Kyle has qualified nine times as one of the top student reps in the company. And five of those campaigns, Kyle was the number one college student sales rep in all of Cutco and Vector Marketing. He has now sold over $1 million of Cutco during his college career, making him the first full-time college student to qualify for the Cutco Vector Hall of Fame to which he was just inducted recently at a Western Region event in Las Vegas. Kyle, thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule there at Columbia to share some insights on the podcast today. 
Yeah. Thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation and sharing some of the insights of a young person in particular who is so talented. And so let's start a little bit with your background, Kyle, leading up to when you first got started selling Cutco. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I am the oldest of five boys. And so I immediately, from a very young age, felt the pressure of trying to make sure that I was a good role model for my brothers. I also come from a divorced family. And so that led me to mature a little faster than maybe some of my peers did, just because I had to really take care of my siblings growing up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that responsibility was sort of put on my shoulders. And I always really enjoyed school. I was I would consider myself to be pretty cerebral. And so I worked really hard. I tried to always get good grades. I think part of that was because I really wanted to. And part of it was because my mom is from Vietnam and I grew up in like a tiger mom household. So she sort of forced me to also work really hard. And I also really enjoyed sports. And so I played baseball and soccer growing up. I have always been a huge hockey fanatic. And I finally got to start playing hockey in high school and absolutely loved it. And um, despite all of that, I would say that prior to Cutco, I was also extremely nervous talking to adults, uh, meeting new people, especially talking to girls. Uh, It was something that I was extremely shy. And in order to not appear shy to my friends, I would adopt this really big persona. And in retrospect, I think a lot of people were able to see through that and knew that I was sort of faking it. Hmm. Um, one of the coolest things about Vector is it, it was sort of my first real job. The only other job experience I had was I tutored a kid who lived a few blocks away for about a year during high school. But other than that, I had no previous job experience. I remember coming to my interview and I had an oversized dress shirt that I had tucked into my jeans and I didn't even have a belt. I didn't have dress shoes. I wore tennis shoes. And it had just never occurred to me before that having dress clothes or looking professional was something that I was ever going to need to do at any point in my life. How did you hear about Vector? So it's a actually really funny story because probably like most people listening to this recording, I got a flyer at my high school graduation. And I remember looking at the flyer and I was sitting next to one of my friends and I was like, hey, we got this cool flyer for this job. It says 18 bucks. And he looked at me, he's like, no, it's a scam throw it away. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I threw it away. (laughs) Sure enough, Vector also mailed the same flyer to my house. And my mom liked to go through my mail sometimes. And so she got this flyer and she opened it up and read it while I was in the other room playing video games. And she told me that I had gotten this flyer and they wanted, and you know, this company wanted me to come and interview. And I was like, nah, mom, I'm okay. I think I'm just going to play video games all summer. And she was like, no, Kyle, you have to go to an interview. So sure enough, I went to my first interview. Uh, I ended up getting the job, obviously. And when I came home to tell my mom, hey, mom, I got this job. She asked what I'd be doing. I told her I would be selling knives. And she immediately told me, you need to quit. (laughs) Because of that... I was like, okay, well, now that she told me to quit, I am definitely doing this job. <laughs> so that motivated you even more. So, yeah. so then you came into training. And of course, I know a little bit about the story at this point because I was there. 
when you came into training. It was in uh, the San Jose Cutco office, summer 2012. And Kenny Coleman was our division office manager. I was you know, the division manager and I ran your training. So yeah. I do remember working with you in those early days. And certainly uh, there were a lot of funny things about you that we might get into in this conversation. But why don't you share what you remember from your first summer or from your first year with the company and uh, what were some of the lessons that you feel you learned? Yeah, there were definitely a few things that immediately jump out to mind to me as, as experiences that I had during my first year with Cutco. I remember my first day with Cutco in your training class, you had passed around a table knife after we did the leather demo. And I thought that I was like the kid who was too cool for school. So I sat all the way in the back corner and tried not to pay attention half the time. And when this table knife was passed around to me, you had told everybody, hey, be careful. This is really sharp. And I remember looking at this thing and going, dude, it's a butter knife. It can't be that sharp. <laughs> and sure enough, I cut myself on it and tried to hide my hand real quick so nobody noticed. But you noticed from across the room and you called me out in front of everybody and were like, hey, you just cut yourself, didn't you? And it was <laughs> mortifying. But also really showed me, wow, this stuff is really good. Um, I also remember that first summer going to Vegas for the first time for our Conference of Champions and really making awesome, awesome friends, awesome relationships, uh, both with people that no longer are with Cutco and with people that have grown in Cutco with me over these years and really have become some of my closest friends and companions, even if I don't see them all the time. And so that was awesome. Um, it allowed me to really assert my independence. Uh, it allowed me to also teach my family and my friends to respect my time and treat me as an adult because I had a real job now. Mm. And I think the last thing that jumps out to me is after that first summer, I ended up moving away and going to Wisconsin to play hockey. And I didn't know anybody in the state. The closest cut office to me was an hour and a half away. And I was living paycheck to paycheck. I had no money. I had no gas. I had no, I mean, I didn't have a car to begin with. Um, and then when I got a car, I had no money for gas. And so that was really, really tough and really challenging for me because I didn't have any leads and I was still relatively new in Cutco. And it would have been easy to fold and quit or say, Hey, I'm taking a break. I'll come back to this later and go work somewhere else where I was guaranteed, you know, a weekly paycheck. But I really thought that hey, this is a great opportunity. The income potential with Cutco is something that I hadn't seen in any other opportunities. And I didn't want anybody to tell me that my time was only worth $10 an hour or $11 an hour. And so I decided that I was going to work really hard and try to persevere through it. And even though it was really tough, I knew that I, on the other side, I would be a better person because of it. Yeah, so you're able to get leads in Wisconsin and create some sales out there while you're out there, basically from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, what I remember in your early days was that you had a problem with your filter. You would come into the office and say negative things and you didn't really understand how you were affecting other people. You know, for example, I'd be running a training class two weeks or three weeks after you started and, you know, you'd come walk into the office and I'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And you'd say something like, Oh, this job sucks. I want to quit. 
<laughs> you know, or something like that, you know, in front of brand new reps, you know, not really understanding that they didn't necessarily know you were being a little overly dramatic. But, you know, so we on many occasions had to teach you about how the words you say, the things you do impact other people, how a lot of people have sort of fragile levels of confidence and need to be boosted and encouraged and the importance of leaders acting in that way. And of course, you grew and you learned and you adapted and became much better as a leader in influencing people. You talked about going to Wisconsin. Why don't we talk about hockey for a little bit? Tell us about your passion for hockey and where it has taken you. Yeah. So with hockey, I had always wanted to play hockey. Um, I went to my first San Jose Sharks hockey game before I was even one years old. My grandpa took me in my diapers and I sat in his lap and everything. And from that day, I was hooked. But uh, for those of you that know me, I am not the biggest guy. I'm like 5'8 on a good day. And my mom was petrified of me playing hockey. And so she never let me do it. She was afraid that I'd get killed. And because of that, I fell really far behind all of the other you know, kids that had been able to start playing when they were younger. And I remember when I was 16, I finally convinced my mom to let me try it out just to see how it is. And it was really tough. Uh, playing against kids have been playing pretty much their whole lives, already being smaller and undersized. Uh, I had a large learning curve that I had to try and catch up on just to be competitive with the other kids and worked really hard. It was really tough. I sustained injuries because of it, um, but ultimately was able to catch up and then surpass a bunch of the kids that have been playing most of their lives and um, was able to pursue a dream of, trying to get scouted uh, for hockey and, and hopefully getting an athletic scholarship or maybe even you know crossing your fingers and hoping that somebody thinks you're good enough to go pro. And so uh, after my first summer with Cutco, I signed a one-year deal with a semi-professional hockey team in Wisconsin and I moved out there. And the following year, uh, when I was 19, I moved to Montana. And then the following year after that, I moved to Oregon. And then I got traded to a team in Denver. And then I got traded again around Christmas to a team in New Hampshire. And so by the time I was 21, um, I had played on five different teams in five different states and was selling Cutco the whole time. And so I had to start from scratch in five different states. So uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's really a neat story. What do you think are some of the lessons that uh, you learned from playing organized sports that apply to life? One of the biggest lessons for me ever since I was little playing baseball and soccer is, is that hard work, regardless of what your opinions are on government or politics, there are a lot of people nowadays that are looking for assistance. Uh, they're looking for assistance, whether it's from the government or whether it's just from like their family and their friends and their community. And I think that it's great to have that inner circle to always help you and support you. And at the same time, you have to also take ownership. One thing with sports is it teaches you that unlike other facets of life, the only assistance that you're going to receive is from yourself. And so you have to work hard. You earn every single shift. You earn every single promotion. When you try out for a team, you earn your spot on those teams. And that was a big thing for me because I was able to take that lesson that I learned from a 
you know, from a very young age and apply it to school and apply it to Cutco and all of the different things that I do in my life now. I would say the other big lesson that I've learned from organized sports would be learning how to cope with defeat. Being the smallest kid and uh, when it came to hockey, being the newest uh, to the sport, a lot of people always counted me out right from the beginning. And it helped me develop a chip on my shoulder because I knew that I wanted to be someone that people respected and they looked up to. I didn't want to be somebody that was mediocre and invisible. And so every time that I got lost, or every time that I lost, every time that I got cut from a team, every time that I was told I wasn't going to make it, I decided that I was going to work that much harder. That whereas other people who might hear that, they might break, I'm just going to bend, but I will not break. And so just developing that resolve and learning to cope with defeat and negativity really helped me build like a really, really strong self-confidence and tenacity. Yeah, that self-confidence and tenacity or that resilience that you developed is so critical. The idea of bending but not breaking, I think is an important lesson for everyone to wrap their minds around right now. Because if you are striving for big goals in life, then by definition, those goals are hard and you're going to fail a lot of times. You're going to struggle. You're going to run into things that get in your way that you know would stop most people. And you have to learn to find your way around those things or over those things. And you have to maintain the right mental attitude. And you have to continue trying if you're going to be able to get to the things that you want to accomplish in life. So you learn so much about that from, like you said, being a undersized kid playing hockey and having a lot of people not believing in you. And I just, I do feel like that must be one of the reasons why you've been so successful in Cutco is that you had those traits in there and that has helped you to accomplish so many big things in Cutco as well. You know, your Cutco career really picked up once the uh, journey for hockey was, you know, mostly over, you know, kind of dwindling down. Your time at least was dwindling down with hockey. You began to pursue school, of course, on a full-time basis and uh, really started rocketing to the top of the sales lists in Cutco. In 2016, I know you were number one in the company in your competitive category, and you sold over $260,000 for the year while going to school full-time. What do you think caused a breakthrough for you in your Cutco sales? There were a couple of things that I can attribute to causing that breakthrough. I think the first thing was... I remember my second summer, my first summer, I had an 8K push for SC1 and an 8K push for SC2. And I came back my second summer, I was an AM in the San Jose office, and I had an 8K push for SC1. And I was like, dude, nobody sells 10K for push. I don't know how these people are doing it. They must have like super rich parents that buy a lot of Cutco from them every push. (laughs) There's just no way that people can do this. And I remember my manager, Mike Schmid, really challenged my belief system. And he said, well, how bad do you want to sell 10K for push? And I was like, really bad. And he's like, but how bad? And I was like, like more than anything. Like I want to sell 10K for push. I will do whatever it takes. And he's like, are you sure? Whatever it takes? I'm like, yes, whatever it takes. I want to sell 10K. I don't care. It's only two weeks. I'll sacrifice everything for these two weeks to sell 10K. 
And he made me write a thousand dollar check and take a thumbtack and stick it on the back wall of our office. And that was really intimidating to me for a couple of reasons. One, I was 19, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. And two, I only had like $40. And and so um, it was really challenging and really nerve wracking. And every day I walked into the office multiple times a day in between my appointments. And I stared at this check on the back wall made out to Mike Schmidt. And that push, um, I was at 10K before the end of week one and finished the push at 16K. And I think that it really provided a breakthrough for me because it really showed me what was possible when I stopped giving myself excuses, when I stopped really treating this job like a hobby and started to treat it like a job. And I realized that one thing that I had really gotten into a habit of my first summer and at the beginning of my second summer was going into the office, putting a lot of hours in at the office, but not actually doing any work. And I think that it's so easy for people, I know myself included, to put yourself in a space and go home at 8 or 9 or 10 p.m. and be like, wow, I put in a full day work. But really, you hung around the whole time and I would like mess around with my leads and I would talk to other reps and I would be on Instagram or Facebook and I wasn't actually working. I was just being present. I was just being an office groupie. And so that $1,000 check really forced me to be efficient with my time. Hmm. So Mike says, you write the check. If you don't sell 10K, I'm cashing this. I'm going to donate it or I'm going to spend it on the office or something. But he said, you don't make it. I'm cashing it. You make it, we rip it up, right? That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, I love how one moment in time made such a big difference for you, right? You had done $8,000 for these push periods, which are basically two-week sales contests. You had done $8,000 or so three times in a row and you're going to go for at least 10 this time and just decided no excuses. I'm going to put everything I can into something for a short amount of time to see what I can create. And not a lot of people have ever done that in their life. Put their all into something for a short amount of time just to see what's possible. And what we often find out is that we were capable of so much more than we initially might have thought we were capable of. And doing those kind of things expand our horizons for all of our future goals in life, whether it be in work or in anything else that we do. And I think it's such a valuable thing to give your best to something for a short amount of time and see what you can do. And and for you, it was just a two-week push in your second summer. But that two-week push was instrumental for your entire career in life. Really a critical moment. What else caused some breakthroughs for you in your Cutco sales? So it's funny, actually. There was a story from my first summer that I had forgotten to mention at the beginning of the call, but I think was also really pivotal for me. And going on the same tangent or the same idea of treating this Cutco opportunity like a job and not a hobby. I remember my first summer, like you had mentioned at the beginning, I was definitely not the sharp pristine um, rep that managers had hoped for. Like I, you know, I, I didn't work very hard a lot of times. I, I only showed up for pushes really. And then when I came into the office, I was sort of negative. And I remember my first summer during SC1, uh, when I sold AK, my parents were leaving town and they were going to Vegas for a few days with my family. And they sort of sprung on me like last minute, like, hey, Kyle, we're going to Vegas. You're coming with us this weekend. We'll be gone for four or five days. And 
I decided that I was going to stick around and do push because the office had really hyped it up as this amazing competition. And I really wanted to become a leader in the office right away. And so I told them, hey, sorry, guys, I can't go on vacation with you guys. I'm going to stay here and work. And they left. They went to Vegas. And I threw a huge party at my house when they were gone. (laughs) And I invited some reps and some friends from high school. And I remember for push, we had this thing called the 10K Alliance in the morning where you every day of push, you had to be in the office at 7 a.m. And we stayed up way too late at this party. Um, And I remember having to show up the next morning and I was so hungover, I couldn't even function. And I had to go into this little quiet room we had in the office for our interviews and lay down. And I remember two of my managers, Kendall and Danielle, came into this room and they straight up yelled at me. They told me that I was unprofessional. They told me that I was immature. And they told me that I should be fired and they were going to go talk to my manager and see what they could do to fire me. And that was really painful for me because it was all true. And it really forced me to wake up and realize that what I was doing, the way that I was acting, the way that I was conducting myself was hurting myself. It was hurting my future. It was not allowing me to grow into this person that I imagined I would be someday. And so I really realized that I needed to start treating this like a real obligation of mine, like a real job of mine. And I I needed to start taking it seriously. And when I started to do that, that's when I realized that this job is really worth your time. Yeah, that's a good lesson for people to learn. Because I think as young people, Kyle, we all have had moments in time like what you just described, where we did something irresponsible or put ourselves in a bad position. And it, it was, I mean, you were lucky to have had two pretty responsible young ladies who could call you out with Danielle and Kendall, who were standing for you to be who you wanted to become versus for you to be this, quote, immature kid that you were being in that moment. And, you know, I think a great question to ask ourselves, particularly for those of you who are younger, up and coming leaders listening to this podcast, a great question to ask ourselves is how would the person I want to become act in this situation? How would the person I want to become act in this situation? And the more that we can put ourselves into that frame of mind, and take the actions of the person we want to become, then by nature, we're becoming, we are becoming that person, right? We are moving in that direction that we want to move. So it's a powerful idea that came out from that initial story. What are some of the skills that you feel have helped you become so great at selling Cutco? The first skill that I've really developed in my time with Cutco is uh, an ability to be thoughtful. Um, I think that reflecting on my time when I first started with Cutco, I was pretty thoughtless. I thought that I was, I I think that I was very um, emotional. Uh, I was very reckless. And I, like you mentioned, didn't have a filter. And I just said whatever came to my mind and it got me in trouble a lot. And uh, also made it hard to make friends because I was always trying to be quick or witty or show off. And I've realized now that if I pause and I take a second to just really think about what I'm saying and really 
understand what the implications of what I'm saying might be, it really builds a lot of influence and a lot of respect. And so that's been a great skill to develop because now when I talk to people who are very successful business owners and I'm pitching them on business gifts for their company with Cutco, um, they don't look at me as an immature kid. They look at me as a responsible business owner who's giving them professional business advice. And that comes from my tonality. It comes from being thoughtful with what I say. And it comes to a level, it, it comes from a level of poise that I have being confident and saying, you know, what I, what I'm really thinking. Yeah. So I would say that being thoughtful with my verbiage and the way that I conduct myself has been really pivotal and something that Cutco has really taught me since I started here when I was 18. Yeah. That's a good point. Just being thoughtful. What advice would you have for Cutco reps who want to take their business to the next level and sell more? There's a few things that I would say. The first thing is that just an understanding that you're in the right place. There is nowhere else, in my opinion, that you can work part-time around school with no degree, with no prior job experience, and make an adult salary. You know, when, when what Dan said, when I, in 2016, I was taking uh, 19 units and was able to sell 267 grand that year and was playing hockey, was hanging out with my brothers, was traveling with my girlfriend at the time and really just trying to experience life and also maintain a high GPA so I could transfer to Columbia. And that being able to do all those different things and make, you know, as much as I did selling Cutco is something that is pretty unheard of um, for anybody in our age group. Um, Another thing that's been really pivotal for me is time management and really valuing my time. I think that if you don't treat your time as sacred and valuable, nobody else will. And that means that sometimes you have to have hard conversations with people that you hold dear, like your close friends from childhood or your family, because they might be used to springing things on you last minute and having you drop everything and go and take part in them. But professionals don't conduct themselves that way. And I was told um, by somebody that I really admire uh, about a few different business owners and the way that they conduct their time and, and how they hold their time as valuable. And one thing that really stuck out to me was Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk has a calendar that he has broken down into five minute increments. And what that tells me is that he values each minute of his day so much that he doesn't want anything to bleed over. And so I took that and immediately tried to implement that into my life. Now, I don't have everything broken up into five-minute increments, but 15-minute increments are really huge for me. So that way, I'm always staying on track with what I'm doing, and I don't let things bleed into over uh, into other tasks. I don't let my homework bleed into my phone time. I don't let my workouts bleed into my phone time. Like There are things that I set aside in my calendar, and I really hold it as, as sacred to me, and, and I really try to stick to my calendar as best as I can. Yeah. If you're going to go to school full-time, play hockey on the side as a hobby, have a relationship where you're traveling with your girlfriend and sell Cutco at a very high level all at the same time, 
you definitely have to be focused on doing things that are productive and avoiding time wasters. And you've been able to do that. And if people wonder, you know, is it worth it? Like you were able to earn a six figure income annually for at least two of those years while, you know, going to West Valley College here in, in the Bay Area and getting good enough grades to be able to get yourself transferred into Columbia. Like you were able to earn a six figure income because you were productively using the time that you had. And I think that's such a great lesson that people can learn for sure. Yeah. And I think that the other two things, if I had to pick two other things to help people take their business to the next level, it would be uh, implementing systems. I think that I was definitely a victim of telling myself early in my Cutco career, oh, I know these other CSPs, these other people selling hundreds of thousands of dollars a year are doing certain things to market to their customers, have certain advertising, you know, different advertising products and stuff like that, like banners and business cards and flyers and all this different stuff. But I'm brand new. I'm only at X amount of sales. I only have X amount of clients. And therefore, this isn't a good time for me to get enrolled in those programs. And in retrospect, when I look back, it was so foolish of me because there were so many potential sales, so many potential referrals that I lost out on because I gave myself an excuse to not invest in myself. And so uh, you really speed up the amount of time it takes to turn a side gig that Cutco was at the beginning into a thriving business if you invest in your systems. And lastly, the biggest thing for me has been always seeking guidance and mentorship and personal development. And the big leap that I had in my personal sales from 2015 when I sold 110K to 2016 when I sold 267 was getting a mentor and really leaning on somebody who had been there and done that before to help me speed up my learning curve. Who were you influenced by primarily? That year, I was influenced by Danny Perez. Nice, nice. So Danny Perez is a Hall of Fame Cutco sales rep from the Central Valley of California and expert particularly in fairs and shows and you know booth sales. Is that one of the key things that he helped you to get better at? Yeah, I think that he helped me get better at that for sure. But the biggest thing that Danny did was he believed in me and he held me accountable. Because my goal that year in 2016 was to sell 225K and win the Rolex. And I didn't have any aspirations of selling 267 or 250 or anything like that, or even competing for a silver cup. I just wanted to hit 225 and double my previous year's sales. And I remember on July 1st, at the six month mark of the year, when I was halfway through the year, I was at 55K for the year. I was literally on pace to do exactly what I did the year before. And I was paying a mentor. And I told him, I was like, look, this isn't working out. Our relationship isn't working out. I'm spending more money paying you to achieve the same results. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was a really tough conversation. But Danny said, hey, I believe in you. Trust in me. Trust in the process. It'll turn around. And he was right. Um, it, I really turned it around in the last six months. And um, whereas the first five months I did 55K, the last six months I did 212. And uh, so having his guidance and his leadership, his support, but the biggest thing was him holding me accountable and not letting me flake out on my goals is what allowed me to achieve such a great number. 
Wow, that's great. That's great. It speaks to the power of accountability. And I think people can think about how they could be able to apply that into their own lives for sure. Kyle, tell us about Colombia and you know what have been some of your memorable experiences since you've been there. Colombia has been a whole different world uh, for me. I didn't necessarily grow up in like a super affluent family. I wasn't connected with crazy wealthy business owners or anything like that. I was just a regular kid. And my parents, like my my mom got her bachelor's degree at, you know, at San Jose State when she was older after she had a couple kids. My dad dropped out of community college. Like he didn't even finish his degree. And so I at a young age, had always aspired to go to a, like a Columbia or a Stanford or a Harvard, but never actually thought it was possible. And I applied when I was 18. I had a 4.3 GPA in high school. I had a good on my SATs. I busted my butt growing up and I got denied. And then I applied again when I was 19 and I got denied. And it wasn't until I was done with hockey and I had gone to um, community college in San Jose and had achieved some really large sales numbers with Cutco that I applied for a third time. And Columbia saw the professional acumen that I had built with Cutco. And they thought that it was so intriguing that they offered me a spot to come Mm -hmm. um, based on that experience. And so now I'm here surrounded by these people that are insanely brilliant. Every time I walk into a class, I know I'm not the smartest kid in that room. <laughs> my circle of influence as a result of that has improved a thousandfold. Uh, I remember last year I was able to sit in a pretty intimate setting with the president of Ireland. And yesterday I was able to sit in a pretty intimate setting with the president of Rwanda. Um, I last semester had the opportunity to sit at a very small round table with the uh, security general of the United Nations. And these types of experiences would have never been afforded to me had I not gotten into here and taken advantage of you know the opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's cool that you can credit Cutco with some measure of having helped you in that regard, because that's not the normal thing that we hear people say that Cutco helped them to accomplish. So very proud that you're able to do that, Kyle. Well, Kyle, as we look ahead into the future, you know, five, 10 years down the road, what are you most excited about? The first thing is I'm really excited to not have any debt when I graduate from Columbia. Columbia, unfortunately, passed uh, University of Southern California last year for the most expensive school in the US. And uh, one of the great things about the opportunity with Cutco is that Whereas a lot of my friends have taken out over $100,000 in loans, um, I will graduate with no debt. So I'm very, very excited for that uh, and starting my future off with my degree with a clean slate. Um, I think looking past that, eventually going back to school uh, and potentially even doing a joint MBA JD where I get both my um, master's in business and my law degree is something that is really intriguing to me. But that's a few years down the road from now. I think once I leave Columbia, I'm going to go back to working for a few years, get back into the workforce, um, take a little break, and really immerse myself in my work and trying to build up my funds that have sort of been depleted for from tuition. And uh, then down the road, I, I would love to be somebody who is that you know somebody who's really impactful and uh, in, a, in a different business organization or association and somebody who hopefully ends up being a C-level executive. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, I have no doubt you're going to be able to achieve a lot of the things that you want, Kyle, and that you're going to have a powerful impact. You've had a great impact here in Cutco already as a sales rep. I know that when we have events, you're always somebody who we want to have speak at the events because you have good things to say. I think people can relate to you because you're young and you're so talented. It's been amazing to be able to leverage your influence throughout the Western region. And I hope that uh, the rest of the company can get a little bit of a snippet of that from listening to this podcast today. I also just want to say that I'm very proud of you and what you've done. Like For me to look at a kid, as I could say, who started out in a training class that I was running that has now turned into a polished professional who sold a million dollars of Cutco, is going to an Ivy League school and is doing all these great things. It's pretty cool for me to know that I might have had a small amount of influence on that in the early days. So it's been great to see. Thank you so much for what you've provided to me, the rewards you've given me for being able to see you succeed and you know, the way you've given back to the region. And thank you so much for your time on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dan, for always having a huge hand in my success and believing in me right from day one. And thank you for having me on the call. I really appreciate it. All right. Outstanding. That was 25-year-old Kyle Lopes, everyone. Interesting to hear of Kyle's background, the oldest of five brothers, and his parents were divorced when he was a child. And to think about the fact that a lot of people use any sort of challenging circumstances in their life as an excuse, and other people use it as fuel. And I'm sure that in Kyle's case, uh, he saw himself as someone who could lead because uh, he was thrust into that position as a child. Interesting to hear about Kyle traveling to all the states where he played hockey and the fact that he rebuilt his Cutco business in all of those places. He you know, got appointments with some people that he met. He got leads. He learned how to make enough sales that he was sustaining himself financially during that time. Of course, the lessons of organized sports are a great thing that uh, we could talk about with a number of people who have been in those positions and coping with defeat, the idea of bending, not breaking. The idea that one moment in time made such a huge difference for Kyle. I like to call these moments of truth. We all have moments of truth where a seemingly small decision can lead us in one direction or another and make a compelling impact on the rest of our life. And Kyle deciding he was going to have that 10K push in his second summer no excuses. He was going to do it. Thinking about the question, how would the person you want to become act in this situation? Those are some lessons that came out of Kyle's second summer that I thought were valuable. Kyle eventually taking the Cutco job from side gig to being a true professional. And that's a decision that many people can make at whatever it is that they're doing. Are you going to get serious about what you're doing? Get serious about succeeding at a high level in what you're doing and the role that accountability played in helping Kyle take things to the highest level in 2016 and the mentorship of Danny Perez that was provided. Last, I just want to say this. Kyle said something about, you know, if you're a Cutco rep, you're in the right place. And for any of you, wherever you are, make it the right place. The grass is greenest wherever we water it. And whatever you are doing in your life or in your career, if you water the grass and you cultivate the soil, 
and you put your best into what you do, you can make it the right place for yourself, whether that's in Cutco or someplace else. And I think that's a great lesson that I'll leave you with here today. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.